Thank you, worship team. Good morning, everybody. Happy Memorial Day weekend. And uh, glad you're here. I almost am afraid to make this announcement because if I do, 20 people are going to get up at one time, but the water is working if you were told otherwise. <laughs> Boo, bean lion for the bathroom, right? That's all right, I'll wait. <laughs> We have been uh, together at Harmony in a series on the Ten Commandments. Old Testament commands, all of which are repeated in the New Testament. You know that? Except one. And it's the one that I decided to pull out of order this morning. And here's why. Uh, This is Memorial Day weekend. The sermon that I was up to, the commandment, anybody remember what commandment I'm up to? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I thought, what's the point on Memorial Day? Everybody will be gone. What are you doing here? (laughs) So I want to switch it, and it's actually appropriate because you may have noticed in the bulletin that the title for today is the Memorial Name. And that actually comes straight out of your Bible, and I'll share it with you in just a minute. Let's just take for a moment before I read the text and pray and we really launch in together, uh, just to review what we were learning about the Ten Commandments. And I love talking about this because whenever I share the gospel, if anybody does that once in a while, we talk about the good news with a friend or a neighbor, and they say, oh, I try to keep the Ten Commandments. And I always ask, like, which ones are your favorite? And they can't even name any, you know, (laughs) kind of lost. And we have done it in reverse. We started at the bottom of the list. We started with number 10 and worked our way backwards because... At the bottom of the list, what's the 10th commandment? Anybody remember? Thou shalt not covet. If you can guard your heart, what's going on here, you can prevent stepping outside the boundaries the further up the list you go, right? And so that really does work. And so we did it in reverse, and we started at the bottom. Do we want to try to go backwards, or should we go forwards? Oh, you always take the easy way, but okay, I'll go along with you. So what are they? The first one is, I am the Lord your God, you shall have, yeah, so no other gods. Second, no idols, no I. oh boy, that's going to be fun. I need about five weeks for that one, I think. No idols. What's next? Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain, that's today. Next. The Sabbath, next. Honor your father and your mother. Then, don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. And don't even think about it. (laughs) I think we need help. What do you think? Don't even think about it? Yikes. So there you go. Well, very good. I think you all passed. I'll have to move you on to the next grade. That's very good. So if you don't have a Bible and you'd like to follow along and know that I'm not making this up, page 59 in the black version of the scripture that you have in the seats in front of you. Otherwise, if you would turn to Exodus, the third chapter, I'm going to just read three verses. It's a significant passage of scripture. Those of you who know a little bit of the story of the children of Israel, maybe at least you've seen the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. I'm sure they're going to do a remake of that. They're doing remakes of everything, aren't they? And they're not so good. They're not so good, but uh, anyway. We know that the children of Israel escaped bondage, and God took them as his covenant people, and he gave them the law. And uh, when Moses was commissioned to go rescue them, he was saying, who's going to believe me if I come and say, God sent me, you know? Anybody ever tell you that? They come up to you and say, God told me. Are you sure about that? I love it when they tell me what God told them for me. Thank you for, thank you for sharing, is what I like to say. And then I move on. But anyway, chapter 3 of Exodus, here's the answer to the question when Moses is saying, Who should I say has sent me? Verse 13, page 57 on the left column down to verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What's his name? 
What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. The ever-living one, the, the, the Hebrew, is the word for being, for existence, and I'm the one who exists, who did, who does, and who forever will exist. I'm the being, the self-existing one. That's who I am. I am who I am, he said. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. The great I am. And Jesus used that in describing his own person, which made people upset because he was saying he was God. And he is the God that we worship and know God through today, and that's why we're here gathered as children of God through the name of Jesus. Amen? Anybody agree with that? Okay. Then he says, God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, now get this, because the whole sentence tells us who God is. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my what? memorial name to all generations. Well, that inspired me for Memorial Day. My memorial name for all generations. Isn't that cool? And the, what is that buzz? Are we? It's the fans, which we need. Okay. So we will live with the buzz. My memorial name for all generations my name by which you will call upon me, which name everybody will remember me by, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the ever-living one, the one who was there with all of them, and by the way, the one who is there with you now, that's who he is, the ever-present one. So I'm going to ask that we pray together. We're going to launch in as we talk about this great command about Using the name of the Lord vain, which we usually identify with blasphemy, bad speech, and appropriately so. Let's pray. God, help us to have ears to hear and hearts that want to receive and honor and worship and glorify you. I want to thank you for my brother Derek's prayer this morning. Um, refreshing to my own spirit as I was listening to him asking to help us become true worshipers. And I always think of that uh, great hymn, uh, of the, the, the description of us when we see you in glory, the elders in heaven and us as well, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. Whatever we've earned, whatever we've managed to do, however you reward us, our hearts will be, you did it, God. You helped us. You made us who we were. You're the one who, by grace, transformed us, helped us to see what was right, helped us by the power of the Holy Spirit to avoid what was wrong and to bring you honor and glory. And if we've gotten any reward, we want to cast it at your feet because you did it. By your grace, you have made us your people. We who could not have been a people... As my brother Mike was praying, I don't get it why you did it, because I know me, and I sure wouldn't have gone for it, but you did. We bless your name. We worship you. Take us a few steps forward in our quest to war against sin and to be like you. Be holy as I am holy. You're the one that said that. Thank you that wherever we drop the ball, which will be often, your grace makes up for our lack. We depend upon you today. Help us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said. Amen, amen and amen. When we speak, yes, sir. Uh, I am is a translation from Hebrew, right? Yes, Hebrew. The word. the word is to be. To be, to exist. No, I mean, what's actual Hebrew? Oh, Yahweh. Yeah, that, when you hear that, which they almost didn't even put in print until very recently, right? And if you see uh, any uh, Jewish advertisings and the name of God is written, it's always lined out, you know, G blank D, because they won't say the name of God. But that's not exactly what he had in mind in that point. It's really not. But 
I have to admire their honor of the name, don't you? Uh, we could use a little more of that, maybe. So speaking of bad language, it brings me to a great spiritual movie clip that I would like to share with you. So if we could show that first one. Over the years, I got to be quite a connoisseur of soap. My personal preference is for Lux, but I found palm olive had a nice piquant after-dinner flavor. Heady, but with just a touch of mellow smoothness. Life Boy, on the other hand. <laughs> you ready to tell me? <laughs> Some of you... Uh... Where did you... We're going to take that down. Some of you 20-somethings may not know that our grandparents used to threaten us if we use dirty language by washing, and you too. Oh. You still do it. There's hope for the world. You couldn't hear his opening line. He, he basically said, over the years, I became quite a connoisseur of soaps. <laughs> Lux was my favorite, but Palmolive had a nice piquant after-dinner flavor. Heady, but just a touch of mellow smoothness. And he would naturally come to that because his father was a master in profanity. He worked in profanity like a sculptor worked in clay. That's the story. Uh, I do recommend that movie. It's a lot of fun. The point being, our forefathers used to take foul language seriously. We didn't want our children to get it. And in his case, he learned it directly from his father, and it wasn't such a good thing. <laughs> this command usually is, in our minds, identified with that whole subject, and rightfully so, because it's actually reflected in the behavior that provoked an incident in the scripture that we're going to look at this morning as we wander our way through that particular uh, subject, this command. God is telling his people, I'm the one who will be with you, and something about my name is significant enough that you don't have the freedom to trash it, to use it in a negative and blasphemous way, if you will. In fact, let me just show you this uh, from another uh, passage. He said to Moses, you tell the Israelites, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Here's another translation of that line, the, the uh, memorial name. Thus I am to be invoked. In other words, this is who you're talking to. Who is it that you're talking to? The God who is there, the God who rescues, the God who enters into a covenant relationship with us, can I be clear? The God who is holy and pure, not filthy, and the God who keeps his promises and never lies. Never. Well, that's significant, right? I'm this God. You're going to remember me when you call upon me. This is the name by which I will be invoked from all generations, for all generations. Now, if you're a note taker, you have a little outline here, and I'm going to run through this fairly quickly, let you enjoy your Memorial Day weekend, all right? When I'm done. <laughs> and the first point is this, that the name goes along with his nature. His name is a reflection of his nature. That's what he's describing. In the... He, in a minute, I'm going to put the New Testament version up, if I may. But his name implies who he actually is. And he's saying, I don't want you to misuse my name because you're going to badly, wrongly communicate who I am. We're going to get it wrong. Have you ever noticed that sometimes the way Christians do things helps other people get it wrong? That's what he's talking about. It's bigger than just a word that I say. It's much bigger than that. Here's the New Testament version. God exalted Jesus, bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Anybody ever heard that? <laughs> Philippians, right? The second chapter, the kenosis passage. But here's an interesting thing. Last time I preached and I just underlined the fact that where it says... Right here at the bottom, Jesus Christ is Lord, 
That word Lord is the language used for the Old Testament, I am. Right? And the, the Hebrews took the word for Adonai. That's what you, anybody ever heard of Jehovah Witnesses, right? The name Jehovah, some of your old worship songs in the hymnal use the name Jehovah for Yahweh, which was what you were asking. The reason the, how they got that was they took the consonants of one word and the vowels of another, put it together, and it came out that way. The, the word was Adonai, that's a Lord, L-O-R-D, small l, if you will, and uh, the name of Yahweh. They put them together and came up with Jehovah. Y and J are the same in Hebrew, you see what I'm saying? So Yah, Yahovah, that's where it came from. So when it says in this passage, Jesus is Lord, Paul is making a dogmatic statement that that God of the Old Testament that you read about, this is him. It's the same guy. Guy's probably not a good word. The same eternal being, right? That's who it is. His name reflects his nature. And doesn't it surely in the New Testament version, Yesu, Jesus, Savior, that's what the word is, salvation, Jesus Christ, Christ is Messiah, the Savior, Messiah. His name reflects who he is. You're invoking the highest authority. You're invoking the best in the universe. You're invoking the only Savior. Turn to me all the ends of the earth, the prophet Isaiah said. There is no other Savior but me. And it's still true. So, the highest authority. Just interesting side note. Speaking of blasphemy, <laughs> were we speaking of blasphemy? Yes, we were. Um, I remember a time in my, this is way back, this is in Tucson. I was greeting people at the door after service. And don't, don't go there. I know there are people saying, why don't you do that now? Okay. <laughs> anyway, I was at the door. A guy from the military base was part of our church, and he had brought a friend to church with him. And that morning, I was... I happened to be preaching on creation. And as he came to the door to greet me when I was going to shake his hand, he ripped into me. Why are you teaching these people this blankety, blank, blank, blank mythology, blah, 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 blah. And it escalated and escalated, and suddenly the spirit went, this is not this person. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I'm commanding that spirit of blasphemy to be silent. And he just went. So he stepped back so I could shake more people's hands. And then he stepped up again and did it again. In the name of Jesus, I told you to be quiet. Okay, how many of you think I'm lying to you today? I'm not. On the way home, my friend Jesse was witnessing to this man, and he said, I don't know what came over me. I don't know why that happened. We knew why. The highest authority in the universe is Jesus, the King of glory. If we belong to him, we have the privilege of being under his authority and utilizing his authority against the enemy. Okay, that was free. That was a sidebar. That's not in my sermon notes. So I have to go for another hour. Here we go. I'm kidding. First, his name reflects his nature. Second, there is a command about the name. And here it is. Let's re-look at it if we might. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. What does that mean? Let's look at it in the New Jerusalem version. You shall not misuse not misuse the name of Yahweh, your God, for Yahweh will not leave unpunished anyone who misuses his name. That's the simple straight-up command, and we want to kind of get a handle on understanding what he's getting at. Misusing it, blaspheming with it, what exactly is involved in this? Let me just show you one other verse that might give you a little bit of a hint of how we can use his name, or identify with the name of Jesus, for example, and maybe dishonor him, desecrate his name, make his name common. By the way, that's part of the idea of making his name, which is holy, common. Kind of throwing it in the gutter, if you will. Leviticus chapter 19 says this. 
You shall not, notice right before, here's, there's a parallel here, isn't there? You shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor, ah, oh, ah, oh, what kind of a world is this? Anyway, you shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear falsely by my name so as to what? Profane the name of the Lord your God. To make it common, to defile it, to pollute it, to treat it as dirt, to desecrate it. Later I'll come back to that idea of swear, swearing falsely and, and frankly just be candid about how I think we as Christians sometimes do that. But I also want us to um, understand the gospel in the midst of this. We need the gospel, don't we? We need the good news because who can possibly stand here today or sit here? I'm standing, you're sitting. um, And say, I'm pure. Ah! When I became a Christian, God cleaned my mouth up right away. It was like, boom, and I had dirt. Ooh, it was bad. And then I was very pure. I don't use words like that. You ready for this? I'm going to to just tell you. (laughs) I hope we get this. You know, we can become Pharisees pretty easily. So I was very pure. So I went fishing one day with this guy from my church, you know, and he said, boop. Fishing is a great pastime. But anyway, back on task. And he cast out and he got caught on a rock and all of a sudden, came out of his mouth. Well, some Christian he is. He had a lot of other issues too, but, but, I look back on that and I go, what a Pharisee you are. And then as years went on, I hired a guy, this is going to really crack you up. Of course, you've never had any trouble with pastoral staff here, have you? Anyway, I, uh, I hired a guy on staff who said, yeah, I got to admit, I'm kind of a potty mouth. (laughs) And I had to rebuke him a few times, and I did. I weaned him off of that, moved him a little bit toward more self-control. But guess what? I started getting a little sloppy, too. Don't we need grace all the time? Don't we? Yeah, we really do. And sometimes uh, we jump to a conclusion based on the wrong thing. You know, ooh, he used that word. And here's a guy over here that does it all perfect on Sundays. You know, he looks squeaky clean and there's filth in his heart like you wouldn't believe. It's like, I think maybe I'm judging the wrong person. Anybody with me on that? Of course, you've never done anything like that. (laughs) Except you're lying right now, so, you know. (laughs) And by the way, did you see the connection? So now we're, we're at the God command about his name and speaking truth. But way back when, as we were working our way up the ladder, remember, the second one was, you shall not speak falsely to one another. The lower commands, the last five, are horizontal, relational with our fellow human beings. These commands now are reflective of our relationship with God, but they do go full circle. They interconnect, right? They do go together. So let me tell you a story here. This is out of Leviticus. I gave you the reference. You don't have to turn there right now. I'll just tell the story. I'm going to read a little of it and then kind of, oh, garrison Keeler it a little bit. You know what I mean? Fill in the blanks, like what's really going on here. So in Leviticus 24, the son of an Israelite woman whose father was an Egyptian. Now in the great exodus, a lot of people who were Egyptians saw the hand of God and left with the children of Israel. They left to go with them to be part of that new community. I believe some of them were true believers. I believe some of them were not. People who left with the children of Israel, many of the Jews were not true believers. Did you notice that? If you ever, anybody, even if you're how many weeks behind, Mike? I'm sure you've covered that by now, right? Did you notice how much unbelief there was in the camp? You know, who is Moses? Who does he think he is? <laughs> ah! You know. Oh, those were the days. Anyway. His father, yeah, don't get me riled up. Anyway, 
His father was an Egyptian. Now, we don't know the story here, but they went out among the sons of Israel, and the Israelite woman's son, now that means this Egyptian father's son, and a man of Israel, a pure blood, if you will, they got into it. So they're having a little rumble out behind the tent somewhere, you know. Yeah, well, you're, yeah, well, okay, but you're a mom, blah, 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 you know, yeah, oh, yeah. So they go at it. They didn't take my karate class or he would have been done. But they struggle with each other in the camp, and here it comes. The son of the Israelite woman, that means the Egyptian's father's, don't know what the environment is. We don't know what's going on here. We don't know whether this man left because his wife's leaving with the children of Israel. He's like, I still like worshiping Isis, but okay, I'll go with you. We don't know. But there's some kind of drama going on behind the scenes that provokes this skirmish. The son blasphemed the name and cursed. So they brought him to Moses. And they give his mother's name, and he's from the tribe of Dan. And they put him in custody so that the command of the Lord might be made clear to them. Here it comes. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the one who has cursed outside the camp. Let all who heard him lay their hands on his head, and then let all the congregation stone him. And you shall speak to the sons of Israel, saying, If anyone curses his God, he shall bear his sin. Yeah, that's kind of cold, isn't it? There's a reason. Moreover, the one who blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him. The alien as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, he shall be put to death. I know we're in a culture where, you know, we say, what a rotten God, man. I can't believe in that kind of God. Well, it's free country. Your doctor can say to you, you have cancer. And I can say, I think you're wrong. And you can... You get the idea. This is the true and living God, and there's a reason he's setting the bar so high. It's for our benefit who are going to be the recipients of grace. We don't apply that so harshly, and neither did God. So we need to read between the lines a little bit. When we were raising our kids, we got into it with my third, no, my, yeah, my third daughter, who was our fourth child. She was in a snit one day, and we're fighting with each other. She knows that mom and dad serve the Lord, and we're, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm employed by the church. How religious can you get? And so she was frustrated, and she goes, well, I hate that. So some rule that we were insisting on. And then she said, that wasn't registering. So she goes, well, and I hate you. That wasn't working. So she goes, and I hate God. My wife and I look at each other. <laughs> you know, we're dying laughing because it was so hysterical. Is that what? Is that what? No, that wasn't. And this is a childlike, foolish, I'm getting you. I'm going to try to get at you. And it was just, it was ridiculous. No, what happened with this, listen to the words that are used. He blasphemed. It means to pierce, to use a name to make a jab, to use the name of God. I hope God, your whole family, and and that's what happened. Using it as a zinger, if you will, but a vicious zinger. He blasphemed. And then the second word that's used, he made light. He used his name with contempt, despicably. He trifled with the holy name of God, with the name of Yahweh. He actually took the risk of saying that to dishonor God and trash God's people. If God's nature is, I am holy, I tell the truth, I am with you, I'm taking you through the wilderness to a good place, a land filled with Milk and honey, and you're saying, he ain't going to come through. He's a jerk. That God of yours, blah, blah. I don't know what he said, but something like that went down. So I have two stories to tell you that will connect the dots for you. I was sharing, this also happened back, Tucson must have more demons than here. I don't know. I was in Tucson. We were sharing the gospel with people in our neighborhood, with um, you know, people there had been a visitor from the family or something like that. I went to this man's house, and something came over him when I was talking with him about who Jesus was and the fact that he died and rose from the dead, and he 
You hear that? He rose from the dead and he's alive and he's coming again to rule. And when I said that he had risen from the dead, this man went off and said he never blank. And he used the queen mother of he did. He never rose from the dead. He never. And he's just swearing. And I'm like, I mean, I don't run into that very often. That vehement. I mean, I'm okay with somebody saying, well, you know, if you believe those stories or you believe that mythology or you still believe the Bible. Okay. But I mean, it was blasphemy. He was piercing it. He was zinging it. He was blaspheming, imprecating, going against the name of Jesus. He never did any such thing. But here's the worst part, beside the fact he was using bad language. He was calling Jesus a liar. He's saying it's not true. He's basically lying against God. He kind of shut down the same way the other one did. I won't tell that part of the story. But there's one other thing in this text. This is very interesting. Look at what it says on that in this verse here, uh, if I can. Let those who heard him lay their hands on his head and let all the congregation stone him. It's almost as though the filth that came out and the maligning of the name of God and the possible lies about who he is might stick to some of us. No, no, they lay their hands on him as if to put his dirt back on him. We reject your lie, we reject your filth, we put it back on you, and now we will purge the evil from you. But brothers and sisters, this is the Old Testament context where God is instructing us out how vital it is that we understand his holiness. Aren't you glad we're not doing that to anybody today? But let me make some... Well, maybe you're not so glad. I don't I'm, I can, Some of you are out there. I could think of a few people. Anyway. But listen to this. Is there not truth in what I'm about to say? So one day I came out of church and I, was, I stopped on the road for a second right by our church. And I'm visiting with, might have been my wife. I needed to talk to her for a second. She was in one car, I'm in the other, and we're talking. And my neighbor across the street, I wasn't holding up anybody on the road, but, and I, I'm not uh, excusing stopping on the road to talk to each other. It irritates me too, okay? But that, that's what I was doing. And my neighbor, who was, uh, we called him, we actually called him weird. I better watch it. He may still be alive. Um, no, he's not. He came out of his house and ripped into me with this blue streak of filthy, vile, condemning, hateful, just... You know when the punishment just doesn't fit the crime. You know, to come out and say, "Uh, would you mind moving your car? You're being rude here. I would have said, you're right, I'm sorry. But he just laid this on me. And I drove away from there, and later, you ever had this happen? It was sticking to me. I had to pray and offload it. I had to lay my hands back on him, get rid of it, and reject the deception and the vileness out of my spirit so that I don't believe it, number one, that I'm a moron. I hope I'm right about this. And number two, that all of that filth, that I deserve to be treated like this because I didn't. I had to loose it off me. (laughs) Good uh, Pentecostal term, right? I loose it off you in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, sometimes you need to do that. Whether it's coming from some vile person to you or whether the enemy's pouring garbage into your head tempting you, we have not yet come to the point of shedding blood in our resistance against sin, right? Sometimes you have to war against it. I rebuke this lie in the name of Jesus. I rebuke this unbelief. And I'm telling you right now, when I pray in this auditorium on Saturday nights, there is an unbelief in this place that I have to stand against. If you're not standing against it, it might explain why we're stalled in some ways. I rebuke it. I loose it off us in Jesus' name. You know, pick up your armor. Pick up your sword. Give the devil a good black eye. Okay, I'm preaching now. Say, let's get back to the Bible and behave. Does that make sense to anybody? 
two words that were used for the blasphemy against God here. It is using his name as a zinger, as a foul word, if you will. Yes. And that is certainly inappropriate. What's that? Yeah, wait one second. And treating his name lightly, despicably dishonoring the name of Christ. Sir. Oh, I knew somebody was going to ask some really theologically difficult question like that that I can't answer. No, I'm kidding. I can't. That's one. That's an easy one, actually. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he asked that? Everybody's saying, yeah, what about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Two different things. Although, it is unpardonable. Did you do it? Because so, if you did, don't come to me for absolution because it's unpardonable. Let me give it to you real quick. That's a great question. By the way, it's really fun. I had question and answer right in this part of my sermon. You must have been led by the Spirit, man. Wow. So here it is. There's a parallel, and here's what the parallel is. The parallel is this blasphemer, we don't know what he was saying to his fellow Israelite, or, and he's not totally a fellow Israelite, but he was. They're fighting, and he's somehow dishonoring the God of Israel, who's the rescuer and redeemer. He's saying something about God that's not true, or misusing or dishonoring the name, which is also not true, because he's holy and perfect. His name is to be honored, and you're trashing his name. So either way, that's what you're doing. But listen, the point of telling lies, this will help answer it. This is... I've used this a few times, Luther's catechism. Any catechism will do. Listen to this. When do we take God's name in vain? When do we take God's name in vain? We take God's name in vain when we use it carelessly or without reverence, especially in cursing, sinful swearing. Listen to this. Practicing witchcraft, lying, or deceiving. What? Practicing witchcraft, lying, or deceiving. Why? So when I'm saying, here's what God says, or here's what Jesus says, and here's what he's about, and I'm teaching false doctrine and a false gospel, or I'm saying it's okay to be a palm reader while I'm a Christian. Oh, it's a gift from God. I've heard that a million times from occult practitioners. Deception. Oh, yes. They always claim it's a gift from God. That's a lie, and that's blasphemy. That's misusing his name. Okay? Now, the blasphemy against the spirit is not, he's dying to know, is not saying, oh, blank, blank, the Holy Spirit. That's not a good thing to do, by the way. But that's not what it's talking about. Read the context. If you read the context, Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees, and they refuse to believe that he's the Savior, even though he's done miracles. He's saying, if you don't believe my words, at least believe because of the miracles that I'm doing. You know, come on, snap out of your coma. Quit being so stubborn, so difficult, so oppositional. And they're like, you're not from God. You're a false prophet. You're demon-possessed. You got got that. And Jesus makes this statement, you know, Every other sin and blasphemy, you can call me down, you can call me names, you can say whatever you want, but if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you're never going to be forgiven. That's what he's saying. It's unforgivable. What is the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? It's the refusal to believe what he's saying about Jesus. He's saying this is the Savior and there's no other way. One way, right? There's no other name given among men by by which we must be saved. If you're sitting here today and you're wondering how you get right with God, that is the way. And we'd love to help you come to know him. It's not a secret. If somebody's falling asleep next to you, ignore him. Come find Jesus anyway, okay? Did that, did that make sense? It's the refusal to believe what the Holy Spirit is witnessing. The Holy Spirit was witnessing to Jesus' divinity and his messiahship, and they said, we ain't buying. No way, ever, we're against you. In fact, we're going to kill you. That's blasphemy against the Spirit. That can never be forgiven. How can you be forgiven? If you won't believe in Jesus, how do you get... That's refusal to receive the gift. Refusal. Okay? That'll have to do for now? Yes, I'm sure he does. 
No, I'm with you. I'm with you. There are, let me just say this, and we really don't have time, too much time for this, but depending on a person's theological grid, you will read scripture a certain way, whether it's really what it's saying or not. Okay? So, but the fact is, if Jesus said there's an unforgivable sin, there can only be one according to what we understand about the gospel, and that is the refusal to bow my knee to Jesus. When the Spirit is talking, and especially, here's the blasphemy, the Spirit's talking to me and telling me personally, you need to do something, and I, get out of my, no way. So if you stay in that condition, no way. That's the simplest explanation, by the way, of what that is. It really is, okay? Otherwise, it gets very, get into very complicated things. But anyhow, all right. Let me give you some applications. I wrote, I wrote, I just read to you number uh, 44 uh, from uh, Luther's catechism, which says, we use his name carelessly without reverence or in cursing, sinful swearing, practicing witchcraft, lying or deceiving. That's how it happens. Here's some samples out of the New Testament where Paul brings us full circle again, if you will. I'm not going to put them up there because we don't have the time. Ephesians 4.29, simple. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. That's the words. All right, so I knew when I have to clean up my mouth. I get that. Okay, number two, I'm not going to lose my, you know, my salvation over it. I'm not going to judge my fellow fishermen anymore. But I want to clean up. You know, I want to do better. I want to make sure I do what this verse says, which is make sure that the word that I speak is for edification for the need of those who hear. Hey, that might help answer your question. For edification for the one who hears. Cool. Number two, James 3, 9 through 10. With our tongues, we bless God and curse men. My brethren, it shouldn't be this way. Christians should bless and not curse, right? I mean, there are times I want to, right? It's a deliberate choice to be like Jesus, to bless and not curse And the last one is also in James. It's a recap of what Jesus said. Don't be swearing, oh, in the name of God, and in the name of this, and in the name of that. Just tell the truth for crying out loud. Then you don't have to swear. Oh, I swear. I had friends. You know, I swear. I'm telling you. I swear. I swear. You lie so much. How do I know when you swear that you're still telling me the truth? Doesn't mean anything, right? Full of baloney. Above all, my brethren, don't swear by heaven, by earth, or any other oath. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, so you don't get judged. There it is. Now, Luther says it and others. Is it okay to swear? Do our Jehovah Witness friends have it wrong that they're not allowed to swear? Yes, they have it wrong. It's not a sin to say, on the Bible I swear, in the name of God, or in the name of Jesus I promise. That's not wrong. He's just saying that's not something you should be relying on all the time. Speak the truth for crying out loud. Simple, right? And so we go full circle back to our relationship with our fellow man as well as our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Full circle. Back to the ninth command. So, speaking of blasphemy. (laughs) Were we speaking of blasphemy? Yeah, we were. Here's the last verse I want to show you. And um, I'm going to read something. Um, I think I'll read it after I show you this. So out of Ecclesiastes, I've taken it to heart. When you make a vow to God, don't be late in paying it. He takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. It's better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Isn't that a great verse? Just shut up. Don't make a promise if you're not going to mean business. Don't trifle with the God of heaven. That's what he's saying. Comes right back to this verse, right? Don't trifle with God. Oh, God, I I promise. Oh, if you just get me out of this financial jam, I'll do this, 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 and this. Liar, liar. I have another clip out of that very movie. So would you like to see it? So would I. Let's throw that one up. Tune the volume up. Oh, no uh, but how will you capture us? We know the secrets of the fire swamp. We can live there quite happily for some time, so whenever you feel like dying, feel free to visit. I tell you once again, surrender. Will not happen. For the last time, surrender. Death first. Will you promise not to hurt him? What was that? What was that? If we surrender... 
and I return with you, will you promise not to hurt this man? May I live a thousand years and never hunt again. He is a sailor on the pirate ship Revenge. Promise to return him to his ship. I swear it will be done. Once we're out of sight, take him back to Florin and throw him in the pit of despair. <laughs> I swear it will be done. <laughs> I swear it will be done. <laughs> Who can you believe, right? I swear it will be done. Throw him in the pit of despair. I swear it will be done. Which one do you believe? When you make a vow, don't lie to God. It's the bottom line. Hooray for grace. Thanks be to God. He forgives us when we blow it. We blow it tons of times, right? Let me read something. What is swearing in God's name? Listen to Martin Luther. This is a Christian now, the guy who got the gospel about the Reformation, right? Swearing by God's name is taking an oath in which we call upon God to witness to the truth of what we say or promise and... Oh, I don't even want to read this. To punish us if we lie or break our pom- promise. Give us a spanking, God. Oh, no, I don't want to pray like that. Of course we don't. Doesn't mean he's going to stop. So we need grace desperately, but we should not throw in the gutter the name of God, by breaking promises. Here's, here's one of the issues that I see all the time. I, I have this unique job I have to do. I tie the knot for people. Weddings. Funerals. I prefer funerals because they never make a liar out of me. But weddings and other formal promises... Baptisms, child dedications, church membership. Oh, yes, I, I promise this is what I, I'm going to follow Jesus. Isn't that blaspheming his name? When we say it and we don't follow through, we don't hold ourselves, hold our feet to the fire. There's even an instruction in the Old Testament. If you make a rash promise, there's a way to get forgiveness and get out of that. You know that? In the Old Testament... So thankfully, the blood of Jesus is sufficient to pay for all of our blunders, including wrong promises. So stop making them. But if you do make one, in the fear of God, you ought to take it seriously. I think I told you guys there's a movie that I absolutely thought was hysterical. And this was a long time ago. I would not make this mistake now because I have to watch movies. But this movie offended me. I was watching it, and I saw something that was like, this is offensive. And I made a promise to God. I have kept it for 25 years, I think. I won't watch it, even though I have wanted to because it's so funny. But I refused because I take that seriously. Now, by the way, I'm not trying to say see how righteous I am. That's not my point. My point is see how righteous he is and honor him. If you've made a wrong vow, then ask God's purging and forgiveness. Get brethren to pray with you. Get free. But otherwise, keep it. He is a truth-speaking, covenant-keeping God. He's holy. He's eternal. There's no other like him. He's the unique being in the universe. And he says, I'm with you. So anything that reflects the opposite of that is blaspheming his name. He's a promise-keeper. He is a truth-speaker. And I want to be like him. Otherwise, I make him a liar. I think I shared this one other time, so I'm going to close with this. But um, I think they might have it around here, too. But there was a, a all right, I'm not trying to be smart in any way, but there's a Christian Yellow Pages. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So up north, we had a Christian Yellow Pages. And a little sub-blurb on it said, to be sure. <laughs> kind of know where I'm going, right? Christian Yellow Pages, to be sure. Now, that's what makes me angry with a verse like this. Because you're putting the name of Jesus on there and saying, you can be sure. And I had close ties of mine working with these dishonest, illegal, terrible employers. And I'm thinking, to be sure. Yeah, I'm sure of something. But it isn't that you're like Jesus because he is truth-speaking and covenant-keeping and honest and speaks life to us. Does that make sense?
Let me read something in closing. This is kind of fun. Because I just like put tons of guilt on us to make us miserable because I love doing that. Not at all. You know what? I'm hoping by the time we get through the entire Ten Commandments, we all cast ourselves in desperation on the mercy of God. Help me. And he will. That's the fun part. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, practice witchcraft, lie, or deceive by his name, but call upon him in every trouble, prayer, praise, and give thanks. Here's the next line. I just want you to hear this. is so fun. This was revelatory. Why does the catechism repeat the words, we should fear and love God? Why? Simple. The catechism repeats these words to remind us that only those who fear and love God can keep his commands. If you love me, you will and you will keep my commandments, right? And you're able to. It doesn't mean perfectly. It doesn't mean you walk on water. It doesn't mean you're more spiritual than your fellow fishermen. But I can actually walk in the joy of my Lord. I can walk in his victory. I can actually do that. Why? Because I love and fear God. Get it? He's first. I live as though he really exists and he's hearing me. And when I speak, I'm careful to make sure his name is honored. So if I teach you something wrong, I'm going to come back the next week and say, I was wrong because I don't want you to have it wrong and for us to misuse his name is truth. So God's for us. He's for us. And if he's for us, who can be against us? Link up with him. It works. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Happy to talk to anybody who has questions or was wondering about what does it mean to know this Jesus. Be glad to do it. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gathering of your saints coming apart to pay you attention, which you deserve. And uh, learning, I believe, for us to honor your name, even in our brokenness, even when we blow it. Lord, I've, I've thought of uh, people who have been some of the most profound witnesses that I remember in, in my ministry history. They were people who stepped in it, who blew things, who did things wrong, but they would just go right to the person they were sharing and say, you know what, I got that all wrong. Don't judge God because of that. I blew that. And people were fascinated by that. Fascinated by that dependence and that simple truth speak about where they were at. Help us to be those kind of transparent, struggling, struggling along at some points and victorious at other points. Those are the kind of people you're looking for. Help us in the name of Jesus, we pray. I commend your people to your grace. Put your angels around us on this crazy weekend. We ask for safety in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen, amen and amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. <laughs>